booties for black girl nerds. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Yeah. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie, and this episode is hosted by Ryan. So, AI is all the rage, and it's also become a very controversial subject. And we've got two great guests to talk about AI, data science, and so much more. We start with our first guest, Dr. Sam Martin, a digital sociologist and data scientist who has been drawing and creating for most of her life. She studied law at Oxford and has a PhD in digital health. The one consistent pull throughout has been digital art and all things creative, from designing jewelry to pottery and more. Lockdown and the pandemic really led Dr. Martin to focus more on digital art and AI art as a way to express one's inner dreams, feelings, as well as a way to connect with people that resonates with their everyday lives. You can follow her on Instagram at digitalwildart. In our second segment, we welcome Malik Afegba. He's a Nigerian-born and based contemporary artist, virtual reality curator, and film director of cinema and TV. He's a BA graduate from the University of Surrey, London, and is the lead visioner and chief executive officer of Slick City Media, a full-fledged innovative media production company with expertise across the entire media value chain, including film and TV production, documentaries, VR, films, commercials, corporate videos, visual marketing, media, technology, and publishing. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring AI specialists, Dr. Sam Martin and Malik Afegwa. Welcome to the Black Girl Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And you guys know I'm, a, well, you don't know, but I'm a very visual learner. I should start with that. And I just, it's just, sometimes you see an image, right? And it just sticks with you. Like the first time we saw Black Panther, the first time, you know, the Obamas were on your screen. And, you know, every time we see them together or just, you know, the Dora Milaje, it's something about the power of an image, especially when you can see Black culture, your culture, whatever your background is, when you can see that reflected in what you're, something visual, I just feel like it has such a huge impact. So lately I've been kind of scrolling through on IG, Instagram, like you do, and I've been seeing so many Black artists venture into the world of AI. And, you know, being a Black girl nerd that I am, a lot of these images look like superheroes to me. And I love that. A lot of them are different ages, you know, different skin tones. And it's, I'm wondering, you know, where does that come from? What is the impact on Black culture? Is it changing perspectives? Because I know it's having an impact on me as, you know, as far as like our culture and just how people view Black people in general, people of color in general. So I called in an expert that was lovely enough to answer my messages. You may know her on Instagram as Digital Wild Art, but this is Dr. Sam Martin. She is a digital sociologist and a data scientist. How are you doing, Dr. Martin? Hi, thank you for having me. 
Thank you, as I said, for answering my message. And I'm so excited to kind of break this down with everybody if they're not really sure about AI and, and just kind of all the, the technical, you know, behind the scenes jargon of it all and all that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. um, Sam, I'll start first with just tell us a little bit about where does the creative side of you come from, the creativity for art and drawing? Well, I think for from as young as probably three or four years old, I've always been drawing. I've always been um, trying to reimagine the environment around me. Um, I grew up uh, with a, in a single parent household. Um, I come from um, a Caribbean family. So the island of Dominica, which is separate from the Dominican Republic, is a little bit, a little island in between Guadeloupe and Martinique. Uh -huh. um, and I come from a long line of female creatives. So on the islands, they have um, an, a Carib population. Um, and this, these Carib Indians are very quite crafty and visual. And they, they do lots of painting and they also do lots of healing. And so from a very young age, I found um, my mum used to just tell me lots of stories about my grandmother creating, uh, using her imagination, doing lots of storytelling. Um, and then my mum uh, taught me how to read from the age of three. So I have been from the age of three, just like involved in getting my hands on reading all sorts of um, sci-fi and fantasy. Um, and so it's really stemmed from there. And also stemming from a lack of at least being in the in the UK, in London, not really seeing people like me in the fantasy that I was reading and really wanting to bring that in, into the world. Yeah. And it's and it's amazing, too, when you hear somebody say that, you know, that taking that leap, that chance to, you know, I just want to start creating something that looks like me. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not finding it in the outlets, like you said, being looking at supernatural world and the superhero world in that mystical realm you know, that some that enriches power as a kid, you know, you're looking at that kind of stuff and you feel like you could conquer certain things, but the images don't look like you. So mm -hmm. having that wherewithal so young to say, hey, this is something I'm interested in. What if I create these images and mm -hmm. kind of take us through from there now, this is nothing to sneeze at now, law at Oxford, and you got mm -hmm. a PhD in digital health. <laughs> so tell us, kind of take us into that world and then what led to that digital art, that AI focus? Okay, um, so I guess being the second generation child of an immigrant, um, I came from a family where hardly anyone had gone to university. Um, and so my mom, I just saw her working so hard. So she came to the UK back in 1957 um, and she was quite an intelligent woman. Or well, she is. She's still alive. God bless. Um, and she was a trained teacher. But of course, when she arrived in the UK, all of her qualifications weren't recognised. So she had to start from the ground up, from cleaning hospital floors all the way to becoming a civil servant and becoming a divisional secretary in the UK government. And so I saw her as my inspiration. And she always said to me, Sam, education is key. Do whatever you can to survive in this world where 
the predominant um, kind of status quo is white and European, you have to be twice as good as everyone else. Plus you're a girl, plus you're dark skinned. So you mustn't speak um, as you hear all the other kids in the council estate where you're growing up. You can't mm. speak like that. You have to kind of speak the Queen's English, which is why I, I have this really flat uh, accent at the moment. Um, and so she said, yeah, use your education. She said, Sam, I have I have named you Sam. I've named you Sam and I'm, I'm giving you um, the surname Martin, which was from her, her dad's side. Um, and she said, this means that when you go out into the world, when you want to get a job, first they'll think you're white, then they'll think you're a guy. Um, and then when they see you turn up, you will have impressed them so much with your education that they cannot turn you down. They're going to have yep. to let you into the door. Yeah. And so I pretty much spent most of my life kind of pursuing education, qualifications, trying to be the best that I could be. But at the same time, there was this kind of craving while I was doing law and digital science and going to Oxford and all of that. There was this craving inside of me to kind of be creative and to produce what was in my imagination. Um, and so by usually when when I do something, I still try to kind of inject the visual. So if I'm designing data visualization, let's say of discussions about illnesses on social media, I'll pick some pretty colors, I'll inject some kind of humor into it. I'll try to bring it to life. And so by learning all these digital skills, when I saw AI and when I saw specifically the tool uh, Mid Journey, um, I was able to take all of that education, all of that knowledge of databases and programming, and then take my creativity and blend them together uh, into creating digital art. First of all, I love your accent, by the way. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's so interesting. I like that you brought up a point, though, because we know, um, you know, as black women, um, you know, just being of just different color period when you're not, you know, um, a male in their, you know, mid thirties or whatever, you know, if you're wh not white, there's there's no sometimes you feel like there's no lane for you. So mm -hmm. this idea of and I was taught that too as, as I was growing up. The idea of like you get as much education as you can, you know, mm -hmm. your name is a certain way. So they don't automatically just assume something about you before they even meet you, because, mm -hmm. you know, that for the nine times out of 10, the first time you step into some kind of uh, any kind of field or step into something new, you might not see somebody that looks like you just nine times out of 10. So you're trying to open up that door. Mm -hmm. So I that part of, of sharing that with us. But yeah, it's just. It's it's so interesting that as the technology grows, we can kind of insert even more black culture and even more of how we look into this new technology. And I want to kind of go back a little bit because you touched on it a uh, um some mid-journey. Kind of tell us what that is and you know, explain for like, you know, what you can and kind of explain as far as technically what that software is and, and how to and kind of how you use it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Midjourney itself is a text prompt to image AI, which basically means um, is AI is sitting there and all you need to do is use this application called Discord, 
which you can have on your phone or on your desktop. Um, you connect it to your Midjourney account. So it goes from uh, free to uh, subscription uh, premium level. And then you type in slash imagine. And then after you type in imagine, you just describe the scene or the image that you want. Um, and you can describe it in as little detail for a simple image to really complex detail. Um, so when I first started using this, I was really excited thinking, oh my gosh, I can really try to create some real black art. But when I typed in, for example, black female doctor, I actually got, this was back in September, 2022. I just got a, a white man. So you, you get four, four images, four preview images. So I got one, a white man. The second one was an Iranian looking man. The third one was um, a mixed race, but very light skinned man. And then the fourth one was a nurse in a nurse's outfit. So there was nobody that looked like me and uh, with the with the anomaly of the nurse which which was a white nurse as well yeah um and so i thought well this isn't right so i started looking into well, how can we train the algorithm to understand that the default shouldn't be white and european um and luckily midjourney itself it has an upload feature so you can upload images of people or things or environments that you want it to copy and not just to copy but to transform into the picture that you want to create so from the period of the middle of September until the middle of February I have been uploading lots and lots of images sometimes I take photographs of myself sometimes I have old images from old photo albums of black and brown people so that I can train the algorithm to understand what a black and brown doctor, nurse, scientist, whatever it is, what they look like to kind of blend in for what it's learned from predominantly white databases. And then also try to tell it to show us in a way that is positive. So for example, on my Instagram feed, I have a picture of um, an elderly black couple um mm -hmm. they're in the 80s and they're very much in love yeah yeah and, yeah and I had to train the algorithm to actually not just show them standing side by side but to show that they have this kind of soul connection a deep love that just by being around each other you could actually feel um that these black people were showing black joy and black love and, and being relaxed with each other you know, so it's been quite a journey, but uh, I've been able to uh, train. I, I I call my journey Midge, so and I've <laughs> I kind of I've been able to train Midge on like how to recognize us as as a, a black beautiful people. That's so that is so fascinating because I'm I'm looking right now again. You guys um follow her right now because you could kind of look at these images as you listen to the episode on digital wild art. But um, on, on Instagram, yeah, I see this couple that you're talking about here looks so cute, so in love. So mm -hmm. you're training, you're training this, um, you're training mid-journey, you're training this computer system, essentially to recognize black, cert certain black features, like you said, certain things like black love, what that looks like by mm -hmm. uploading these images. 
that come yeah. from your background, your, your, you know, like you said, some of it are your pictures, which is, it, that's so fascinating to me. You're thinking about technology advancing and there's nothing, there's no images from them to grab from, except for when you have somebody that's already in the digital space like yourself, that's like, hey, there's these images out here too. Upload mm -hmm. these, like you need to be able to look at these. Exactly. And I think that's what's, what's actually, you know, it was, it was really disheartening to, to kind of see this at the beginning, but that's what's really nice about having technology like this that is open, that you can actually train it. And it, it's open to learning uh, depending on kind of which version, which model you have. So quite recently, I think it was on the 20th of March, version five of Midjourney came out and it's a lot more photographic. Um, so essentially now it's also trained on more photographs of black people so that you could put in, let's say, um, a group of black kids hanging out um, on some grass during the Afropunk festival, for example. Mm. And it will show them, it will show them now because it's learned from all of us black artists kind of inputting all of this data. It's learned now that we are here and it needs to acknowledge us. And I think that's, that's such a beautiful thing, you know? Yeah, so be, and I'm looking at this other picture too. Um, one of the things I want to talk to you that kind of drew me into your work as well is the idea, if you think about, you know, the fabulous Angela Bassett, mm -hmm. um, you know, Michelle Yeoh just accepted the award. And I remember one of her lines was, you know, don't tell any, don't let uh, women, don't let anybody tell your past your prime. You know, those kind of things. And I think that's what pulled me into your work. You know, I always thought of my aunts, my grandma, my mom as superheroes. But sometimes mm -hmm. Hollywood is like you get to a certain age, right? That's it. Like there's nothing else. You know, they forget the like as you age, there's wisdom part. Or, you know, there's still different layers to you as you get older. But I see like there's an older black woman on your on your page right now. She has like I love the oval glasses. It's like she's towering over like she's coming in to save the day. You know, she has the gray hair. Um, like you said about the couple, there's another black lady that's like she has this um, this matrix sort of on the side of her face and she has the blue afro. She looks very futuristic. Mm -hmm. Just these images of like these older black women, you know, or older black men as well that have not lost. They still have a spark. Right. There's still something mm -hmm. about them. You know, it's not like age hasn't taken anything away from their wisdom and how we view them and what they can contribute to society, which I think that is such a powerful message. Thank you. And I'm really glad that you're getting that from my images because that was one of my main missions. I think I was, I think it was just around Christmas time. Um, so my mum, she had me when she was a lot older. She was, uh, so she's in her eighties now, basically. Uh -huh. um, and to me, she was my superhero. Um, you know, she held down four jobs. She made sure I got all my education. She gave me really good guidance. And I saw other elder black and brown women in our community that were doing the same thing. And that they also had this kind of, to me, this, this energy that just was able just to correct you with a look, you know? Exactly, to, yeah. yeah. And that you had to sit up straight. And mm -hmm. to me, it felt like that was, that's a superpower. You know, yeah. And 
also with my mum, I mean, she will be 86 this year. She's still super smart, super sharp. She doesn't know how to use technology, but she understands just the way things that work in the world. So she just hasn't lost that that beautiful spark. And I wanted to kind of celebrate uh, Black people, Black men and Black women um, in the the kind of the twilight years. So I have, I did this back in December and January. I have um, a series of Black people that are retired and they're in their garden and they're just kind of, in amongst all of the plants and the fruit and the vegetables that they're growing and they're just they're hanging out they're having a great time you know and I just wanted to kind of bring that as an essence to the community and I posted those particular images of, of black people gardening and also black people celebrating the new year I posted that to Facebook and I got contacted by so many um elder black people saying oh my god this is so healing this is so good for us to see us, you know, having a good time and relaxing um, rather than just seeing all of this uh, fresh and new pop culture and everything else. Um, and a few people who also said that they were working in care homes as well and saying that they were using these images with my permission as therapy so that they were showing them to their elders and having conversations and trying, if they had dementia, just kind of showing these images to them to help them remember the good times, you know? Oh, that's so, that's so powerful. That's so great. Just to be able to, you know, like I said, that image, right? Some, it just sticks in your head. You'll see one thing and it just transforms how you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and just how you want to move and, and, you know, um, and I can't say enough about, I mean, it's just gorgeous, gorgeous images, you know, like you said, these, these old, these, um, um, older people, um, you know, just in the garden, like you said, they look like, it's like if Willy Walker got some soul added to it or something, <laughs> it's so cool, you know, like it, it's just so out of the box and so interesting that we don't get to see, you know, and I'm hoping like the more you create of this, you know, it's, it's, is getting into, um, like you said, the retirement community, the retire- retirement homes, mm-hmm. so they can kind of have those images. But I'm hoping it keeps going like it's some kind of media thing as well. You know, mm-hmm. where they start to pick up some of these images that you created because it's so powerful to get that out to as many people as possible. You picked a great platform with with uh, Instagram. So I kind of want to ask you about starting Digital Wild Art, you know, the name, what you want to share with us, just why you were like, OK, listen, we know the effects of social media. But, you know, there's a double-edged sword of social media, right? There's, you know, there's the bad, but there's the good, just like these images that you have on Digital Wild Art. So what made you kind of want to start the account? And and um, you told us a little bit about the images you selected, but what about some of the other images you have on as well? Okay, so I decided that, yeah, Instagram is definitely a good place to to connect with people, mainly based off of what I did with my PhD, So with my PhD, I looked at digital health and how people with certain chronic illnesses like um, sickle cell anemia, like celiac disease, when you have an immune reaction to eating wheat and gluten, how did they use social media to connect with each other, to learn from each other and to share information? So I have quite um, an academic background in using different forms of social media from Twitter to Facebook to Instagram. And I found that when 
using visual forms to express obviously Instagram is one of the key elements to use and especially with the black community no matter where the black community is so no matter if it's um in the African continent in the Afro-American or Afro-Caribbean diaspora wherever we are in the world we seem to like the visual the most so I thought well let's open up um, an Instagram account and I didn't want it to be anything specific. So I chose Digital Wild Art mainly because obviously I'm creating this art with digital tools and a, a mixture of um, other inputs like photography and using Photoshop for editing, etc. But I didn't want to have a specific genre because I wanted to explore everything. I wanted to look at black and brown people in every different form. So that's why I chose the, the term wild, so that, you know, from, from one week to the next, you wouldn't really know what, what you would be getting. You could be looking at anime, you could be looking at fairies, you could be looking at hybrid species. Anything that triggered my imaginative joy as a black girl nerd from, you know, the age of four upwards, I was just gonna put on there. It was gonna be a wild space that people could explore um, and they could also maybe have a form of healing of seeing themselves in many different forms and understanding that, yes, we are allowed, we do exist, even if it's as fairies, even if it's as hybrid species, um, we we can exist and we can see ourselves in a way that maybe we haven't seen in the wilds before. So that's yeah. one of the, that's one of the main reasons. Yeah. Yeah, and imagination is like we keep talking about so powerful. And when you can start it at a young age, the I can see um, you know, younger people gravitating towards these images and just giving them that mm -hmm. idea of, you know, just let your mind run for a little bit. You know, the possibilities of what can you do, what can you create mm -hmm. just by seeing this this single image. Now, I want to kind of talk to you a little bit about the other side of you know, artists and AI. Because when you Google mm -hmm. AI, um, artificial intelligence, you get leverages computers and machines to mimic the problem solving and decision making capabilities of a human mind. So the mm -hmm. question is, I'm going through the, the deep dive, right? The research I'm doing, a lot of artists are nervous when it comes to AI, right? Because it could be seen as a way to, you know, um, steal their images in a sense, copy their textures, their patterns as artists and put it out, you know, in a um, quickly to the masses, posted it on Instagram that it feels like in a way it's taken away from their art or, or stealing it away from their art or taking away the creativity because it's done so quickly. You know, it's a new form of technology that not everybody understands, you know, how to use this tool, how to market this tool. So, you know, as a digital creator, how do you feel about you know, mid journey, the way, you know, uploading this images, where does it come in terms of, do you feel that is in a sense, does it take, does it lessen the creativity of just being, you know, if you think of the old school artists, right. Of using mm -hmm. the, 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 the tool to create an image as opposed to you're uploading an image. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I'm, I'm curious to get your feedback on as an, um, like I said, as a digital creator, what is that? Do you feel AI is taken away from creativity in any sense? And do you feel like it's a dangerous, you know, is it, is it dangerous as it continues to evolve? Mm -hmm. I think I actually feel like 
I can understand the traditional artists communities kind of worry and fear of AI and that it, it could be used to steal their jobs. It could be used to kind of steal or copy years of carefully crafted creativity. I can completely understand that. But in the same way that when uh, the camera came into existence and traditional painters were saying, oh, this is going to take away from our work, the same way when uh, photographers were worried about film and then from film, then animation, and then you've got the 3G stuff going on and things like Avatar. People were always worried that this would lessen the the quality um, and the kind of the authenticity of real human creativity. Um, and in each stage, I've seen that really what happens is there's a reset. There's like a, a rebalancing of the equilibrium. So... I see AI tools as what they are, a tool rather than a replacement um, of creative art. Because at the end of the day, the AI is relying on us as humans to give it direction. And it trains on billions and billions of images, but it doesn't do exact copies. It kind of exists in what they call a latent space. So the image that is is uh, that pops out once you've kind of give, given the commands is something that isn't an exact copy of what has been done before it's like an amalgamation of maybe 10 15 20 100 different pieces of images that then is created anew so really it's not stealing it's learning from it's almost like for example when you're at art school and people say okay so have a look at this style from the renaissance have a look at this style from cubism have a look at this style from from um surrealism so are you really copying let's say from Salvador Dali or are you looking at it to create your own kind of um your your own version or your own oh. creation, your own interpretation. So I feel yeah. like, are you there? Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So I I feel like essentially we're using AI as an interpretation of what has gone before, but also in terms of the tools that traditional artists use, even in terms of. Um, Adobe Photoshop and Illustrator just this week Adobe Photoshop has announced that they have AI tools um, that help traditional artists kind of develop their, their concept materials um, add things quickly develop creative briefs um, in a way that is actually trained on Adobe's own stock photography and isn't taken from anywhere else so in a way it looks like no matter what we do, AI will kind of be there. We can't really escape it. But I feel like if we learn um, kind of creative ways to use it as a way to enhance what we're doing, whether we're traditional artists or we're people who aren't as talented and gifted, but are then able to use that tool as a way to communicate um, our artistic expression, I think we eventually we'll all learn to get along, basically. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's always it's always as the tech advance, there's more questions. You know, how does mm-hmm. how do I how does this fit in? How do I use this new technology? But yeah, I, I love your perspective on just, you know, when you're learning to even start out as an artist, you have to look at something to kind of figure out, you know, to kind of learn the tools, you know, learn mm-hmm. kind of the parameters of where you want to go and then you transform and make it into your own. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's, it's going to be interesting as this continues to grow, you know, as Black AI continues to grow, as AI in general, the technology continues to grow. How does it fit in with, you know, artists that have been doing this for a while? And, you know, are they going to add it more into their work? How do they view it? So, yeah, I mean, as technology continues to grow, it definitely has an impact. So, yeah, it's going to be very powerful to kind of see where this goes, you know, if it... You know, we're just talking about now creating through mid journey, you know, you have it, you have your website, you have it on Instagram, where does it go next? You know, there's, and you mentioned um, Avatar and the way they kind of have to build in, in Hollywood as a sense, is a whole new technology, you know, is a whole new sense of that is a new technology that everybody's trying to get used to. So it's always going to be something that's pushing the boundaries. And, um, you know, we just need talented people like yourself to kind of keep us on, <laughs> to kind of keep us, mm-hmm. let it, let us know and kind of keep us informed. So yeah, I definitely appreciate your time. Thank you for joining me and and really kind of breaking this down, this, this new world of AI. Thank you. I appreciate you. Um, and just to say as well, I have been kind of contacted by different elements of Hollywood just to see kind of where can we connect the art um, with the more kind of 3D development, animation, et cetera. Um, And it's quite interesting because they're wanting to use it um, as a launching pad, really. So how do you you create a pitch deck um, by visualizing all of these black and brown characters that you want uh, people like Netflix and Warner Brothers and all of those different studios how can you really create something that you could then take and then develop even further so I feel like AI tools are are actually quite good at very quickly kind of developing these kind of situations that can spark the imagination let's say in in the the pale male and stale boardrooms where they might not have got that concept before you know so being visual I think is really kind of being able to just really put this on the table and say yeah you're seeing this image you're feeling this kind of emotional connection um to what we're showing you and it's not just through words if if you're having this connection imagine how other people will feel and I feel like because of films like uh Black Panther um and Get Out and and other things that are actually kind of pulling and fusing the Im- imagination around black experience that we're we're more better to do that so I feel like we're standing on the shoulders of of, um, of giants and we should really just celebrate the the kind of creativity that has been opened up by AI as well yeah that's that's so interesting the idea of not having to you know you like you said walk into a boardroom walk in front of a major studio and not have to explain black love you know for instance just with words you know you Mm -hmm. have a you have an image you you know multiple images that you can that you've created that they can they can visually see what we're trying to explain you know instead of us having a nitpick and explain every little thing about hair texture or you know skin tone Mm -hmm. or why why our bodies move a certain way 
it, it, it's so mm -hmm. interesting to be able to use this technology, like you said, to be able to bring our culture, be able to bring our visions without us always having to do like a whole dialogue. It's like, let me just show you what I'm talking about. Exactly. Or, or how this looks so yeah that's going to be super interesting please keep us posted and let us know um and come back to talk to us about it uh if that you know when that comes to fruition i'll put it out there in the universe to 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 kind of mm -hmm. lead to, to different projects um but um but you know before i let us go before i let you go um tell us you know um if people are interested i guess your your tips on if people are interested in getting into ai tools and you know anything mm -hmm. else you kind of want to tease about what you have coming up um, so I learn most of what I do from YouTube, basically. I literally just searched YouTube for tips and tricks on how to use different platforms. Um, and pretty much learning how to do this is, is free. It's out there. Um, I would just learn very, very quickly um how to use these tools a lot of them nowadays are free as well so there's another platform called leonardo.ai um and at the moment that's free and you can train different models you can learn how to create different visual techniques etc um so anyone really if they want to can learn to do this themselves so i'm i'm definitely not going to say that i'm the expert in anything i think that you, you know your your imagination it, it, it is the only limit at the moment um and then in terms of things that i'm doing um i'm going to be trying to look a little bit more into black spirituality um so looking at different ways of expressing um uh Vodouin culture looking at spirituality cards that are more focused on the black experience let's say of um of the tarot um but also in another direction looking at how i can develop the characters that i'm creating into graphic novels for example so i've got this series called the the league of extraordinary black grandmas so I'm going to be developing a concept where we have the backstory for each of them, um, hopefully create um, a printed graphic novel and then see where we can go from there. Hopefully try to do some animation as well. So that's where my head is at the moment. Oh, I love that. We all know the grandmas have the wisdom and they'll pull you back real quick and they got the superpowers. <laughs> so that's definitely that's. Right, exactly. So that's definitely a, a good inspiration. We can't wait to see that. We can't wait to see what you have coming up next. Again, you guys go check out Digital Wild Art on Instagram, digitalwildart.com. Um, yeah, and and leave uh Sam some some cool messages. You know, let her know, let her know what you think about the art and and you know what inspires you because we gotta keep the conversation, keep the creative juices flowing. So again, thank you, Sam. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much, appreciate it. Welcome to the Black Gunners Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and you guys, I'm still going down the rabbit hole. I'm still so fascinated by AI, particularly Black artists' impact on AI and how it's changed the perspectives. Yeah, I just, I, I like I told you guys before, I was on Instagram just scrolling through, and I found so many amazing, talented Black artists that have dove into this new technology that is, it's not going away. So we might as well use it to kind of train, change ideas and kind of, you know, more innovation is always better to get inclusion and diversity um, in the world or to keep that going. So today I brought a guest on, I went down to rabbit hole and filed a BBC article 
with uh Malik Afigua. I don't think I said it right. Did I said it right, Malik. I'm gonna have to have you say it. Uh, a a <laughs> Look, I had to have him collected. He's he's over here cracking up. He's cracking up because I was like, I literally ten times trying to practice while we intro this. Oh Lord. Well, Malik, I need to I need to stick to the part that's safe for me. He is a virtual a virtual reality curator and a film director. And I'm so excited. He took my emails and everything, even though I'm over here mispronouncing his name, to come and chat with us, to break it down, to really kind of talk about the impact that AI is having for Black artists, for virtual reality curators. So Malik, welcome, first of all. Thank you for joining me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so the first thing I want to start with, as a cultural architect, first of all, what does that mean to you? And then the second part of the question is, when did you realize your passion for storytelling? Um, as a cultural architect, I think it's important for me to always reflect, you know, um, our culture in terms of storytelling, especially like our history, you know, because we have a lot of like suppressed history as Africans. It, it is suppressed through, um, 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 I don't want to use the word colonialism or maybe just natural disasters, but we have a lot of lost culture. So I always try to put that in my storytelling. You know, I'm always intentional with that. Um, be it the artworks or the virtual reality experiences of documentaries, but something has to be there that has to with, you know, learning about, you know, something. So yeah. And I I understand the impact of storytelling when it comes to shaping the world when it comes to influencing you know the next generation when it comes to what we consume as human beings and i know how hollywood shaped the world in terms of that, that culture you know so i wanted to be a part of that um you know um shape um, um what would i how would i put it part of that force that actually shapes mm -hmm. it but in a positive way you know because like i i also understand like there's a fast narrative to a certain, you know, demographic that is all, is all like it's pushed as well. So I'm trying to be intentional in blocking the wrong narratives, like that's the possible being black people as well, being Africans, you know. So yeah, so that's why I'm so passionate about you know what I do. Yeah, and it's it, like you said, it's so important to to find ways, like you said, to keep changing narrative. You can never stop because it's always something that's not quite understood as technology advances you know it's not might not be advancing to serve us because sometimes there's not enough information about us out there you know not enough people digging so it's always important to kind of keep that going so talk about why you decided to get into i guess virtual reality and then i think one thing i think is cool about you is how you're mixing the, the different mediums you know it's not just about film for you you're mixing in different technology along with that to kind of tell a story um, yes, because like you said, obviously my background is in film, um, film documentaries, and that. But I always get bored easily, like doing the numb, you know, like easily, like because I always look for the next thing, you know, look for mm -hmm. the next text medium of storytelling. So that's how I got. I started working with the virtual reality tech like six years ago. You know, back then it was just like a cardboard for the plastic they put phone in. Uh, it was really, really bad quality cameras that we had then, but I, I kind of understood where we were going with the tech and that, you know, fast forward to where we are today, you know, because I, I understand that 
your future is going to a more immersive space rather than just what we consume on our phones or it's going to be more immersive like with the metaverse and all of that. So I wanted to be in that space as well in terms of creating content and also creating solutions and just be at the forefront of understanding how to you know, implement that tech in you know, multiple societies and multiple industries, you know. So, and I've always done that in literally anything I do. How can I use what I do to provide a solution to a certain place? You know, so from virtual reality, I, I obviously augmented reality, extended reality, then what we're talking about in 2023 is artificial intelligence. So it just keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps getting better and better. Yeah, and speaking of that too, it's interesting how you think about the global effect of it down in Africa. One thing I found um, was cool was you guys had a digital um, innovation festival and kind of bring in some of the the XR creators. First of all, for people that don't know, tell us what XR creators are and then kind of go into the inspiration or being a part of this festival. Um, XR creators are, well, like a collective of people that, you know, play in the VR, AR space in terms of obviously creating content, 3D modeling, like the whole shebang, the metaverse space. And I happen to be a part of that because I was selected last year as one of the six Africans um, by Meta and mm -hmm. Rockefeller, a bunch of other organizations, one of the six African creators to, you know, create content for the next generation and that like to be recognized. So I was like really happy to be part of that. So I, I I am very sure about the next generation looking towards XR creators because like now everyone understands where tech is going, you know, where tech is going and how tech has evolved that it's in literally everything that we're doing. So yeah, I'm just happy to be at the forefront of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing just to be able to, I tried to catch a little bit of like the YouTube clips and it was so cool. You know, people talking about, usually you just see this, uh, you know, this figure, this AI figure of whoever the artist is, and now everybody being able to be in person out in front of a live audience and kind of getting to share everything was was really cool to see. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> um, let me talk to you about um, because we touched a little bit about your film, your TV projects, but you have a Netflix um film or like a or maybe like a mini series called Made by Design. Yeah, yeah, I I directed season two and three and I co-produced it as well it's a tv series a tv show that we kind of focus on African creators all around mm -hmm. the world architects product designers you know artists as long as you're doing something great and you're of African descent and you you know have like a very good profile we you know profiled a bunch of people we did it in like 12 different countries around the world from like Ivory Coast to Sweden to London to America, you know, Brazil, like a bunch of places. So it's quite quite interesting to see like, you know, many different Africans doing a bunch of things around the world. And I also have another documentary coming out on Netflix. It's about a woman called Nikkei Okunai. She's like a legend in the art industry in, in Nigeria. You know, mm -hmm. so we did like a biopic of her life, you know, you know, highlighting how she grew up, did like reenactments and that, you know, interviews with like celebrities and just focused on that. So that's also coming out on Netflix, you know, this year. So yeah, a bunch of things, a bunch of things in the works. Yeah, that, that's exciting when you can kind of delve into different artists that we're not familiar with. 
you know, you start getting get lost in like the Instagram where it's like, wait a minute now, there's some people that's been in the <laughs> art game for a little bit that are kind of changing it up, mixing it up, doing some different stuff. So that's going to be cool. We definitely have to look out for that. Um, before we kind of keep going a little bit more um, about AI and everything, I kind of want to talk to you about being a CEO because that's not an easy job of a production <laughs> company. Uh, Slick City Media, which, by the way, that is that's a dope name. And it has this tech arm as well for XR, which is also cool that you haven't forgot about that side of, of tech, you know, with everything that you do. So tell us about that. Wow. Uh, Slick City is 12 years old. Um, it's going to be 13 years old this year. And what we do is we, we focus on like high budget TV commercials, high budget TV shows, documentaries, because um, when I started, when I set up the company here in Nigeria, we usually normally have like white people come to Nigeria to come and film, you know, get yeah. people from like South Africa or America or London to come and film. And I was like, why would you always do that? It's spending money on visas and, you know, and all of that, like, what's the yeah. problem? So I, start, I found out what the problem was. So I started to crush some of my teeth and dot all my eyes and, you know, the quality control, the ISO 9000, everything, like I made sure I replicated the international standard of, you know, production. And when I did that, I started to get international clients and never looked back, you know, so it was there, I still like the high budget stuff, you know, and because of that, I trained uh, people as well because like it's uh, it's quality control and it has to do with keeping up with a standard and that standard has to do with the team as well. I can't just do that by myself. So I've got like a team of people that work with me as well that would go through constant trainings, you know, in terms of equipment, in terms of post-production, you know. And yeah, and it's not easy as well because I, yes, I'm passionate about what I do. So I'll always do it. I wake up every day and always do it. But what about the, what about the next man? The next man might be just working for money, you know. So I've got to be, you know, in a position where I'm able to stand even regardless of if nothing is working so and I'm, I'm blessed enough to be in that position because i i know how to do everything i know how to work with all the cameras i know how to do all the editing vfx sound design nice, you know, animation. Yeah. you know uh, so i and i know how to do them really well because i train people in my company as well. so even when i get stuck in a in a project i'm like i need to hire someone to do something i just end up doing it myself you know, so I'm always literally in that place, but it's not really a, it's not easy. I get, I burn out sometimes, you know, I spend a lot of time working, but at the end of the day, I am kind of feel happy and happy, you know, about what I do. Yeah, that's, it's cool though. I like how you mentioned, like, hopefully people are taking notes when they listen. I like how you have so many different areas, you know, editing, like you said, sound, all of that goes into making certain productions and not having to always outsource that. Like you said, people coming in, having to get visas, going places. It's like, well, if I have somebody, especially talking about um, black culture or just having somebody that looks like you, that's running behind the scenes as well, that's doing the business aspect, you don't have to explain so many things, you know, and it's right. easier to access so many things. So I, I think that's so cool that you took a, above and beyond. It's like, wait a minute, let me figure out this part of the business as well. I like to be creative, but what's going on here where there's their gap and, you know, creating certain projects. So that's, that's, that's a uh, real dope and cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about, okay. I want to go back to the BBC article where I kind of, where I found your, um, your outlook or your take first on AI. And it struck out to me because here's the thing, right? As technology, every time technology grows or there's something new out there that people are curious about, it's always the side of the what if. 
You know, what is the dangerous side of it? So, you know, you may hear some artists saying, okay, you know, with the with the invention of AI, with all the, with the computer having, you know, so much control or them thinking it's as simple as you're just telling the computer to do something. So maybe it's a loss of creativity. Maybe it's, you know, an artist feels like their work can easily be, you know, taken and turned into something else where it doesn't feel like they they have that um, ownership anymore, you know, because of how technology is quickly moving and quickly advancing. And I kind of want to get your take on that. And then, you know, what you have done with um, the project in particular, the Elder Sisters, our, our Elder Series. I'm over here making up his own projects and everything. The Elder Series, um, which I thought was so dope. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts on why AI is important and, and kind of why you took it to that next level. Because, uh, you know, when it comes to tech, when it comes to innovation, there's always going to be a drawback. There's always going to be a pullback. There's always going to be people fighting that tech, you know, and I'm used to that already, you know, from from when from the mobile phones to the CD players to the Netflix to the blockbusters, yep. you know, when is evolution, you know, if some people don't understand. It might be too fast for some brains, you know, and it might some people just don't like change. Just they just comfortable where they are. But when you look at it as an actual tool, as you would look as your remote control for your television. You wouldn't want to say, I'm going to get up and change my television set because that's the tr that's a traditional way of doing it. I would want to use my remote control because it's easier. That's stupid, you know. So that, that's how I look at AI. It's a tool. And with every tool comes a responsibility. You can either be ethical about it or you can be unethical about it. You know, you can yeah. use it for good or you can use it to steal art. You know, it depends on the user right now. So that is up to that. But our tool is always going to remain whether you like it or so, so why don't you be part of the people that actually regulate that tool in a way that is useful good you know because you're, you're already playing that space you already understand the rules of art so why don't you be the forerunners of that space so you understand the laws already you understand how you know to how how to navigate the users or how to restrict the users you know but rather than doing that you're just writing it off and saying, nah, say no to that. I feel that silly, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Because whether you like it or not, it's going to evolve. It's going to get a lot better and better. It's it's learning. It's machine learning. And it's going to keep learning, you know. And so I understand how tech learns. So I learned from tech as well. So I started messing around with AI about two, three years ago very elementary stage, go on GitHub, go on the forums, just read about it, just find out about some apps, test it out, you know, very, very elementary stage, nothing serious, you know, even up until like early last year that we had like very mangled images from an app called Dream, way before Mitch and way before Stable Future, you know, but when all these new apps came out, I was obviously at the front of the fucking going to test it out because I was already hearing about it. I was mm. there on the wait list. You know? So when I, Started learning, testing it out. I understood that you need to know how to speak to it. You need to have a, a language, and apart from having a language, you need to know you, that it's just a tool. You can't just allow it just to do everything for you. So, with that in mind, I used it as a visualization tool for me, just to visualize maybe a world or visualize my storyboard, or just experiment, you know, and. That's what I did because I, I know how to use Photoshop pretty well, Lightroom really well. So I take what I, the result I have from there, put it into Photoshop or Lightroom, 
alter that, put that back into the machine, make some variations with those up until I actually get what I want, you know, because I was going out for something. I wasn't going out for the machine to create something for me and I quit out of that one. I was going out for air, for like an end result, you know, I went through that many different stages, which is what I do every single time. And which is why people always ask me like, what kind of prompts did you use? Like, well, how did you get that result? Because I didn't just put a prompt to get it. You know, you can't just probably just get the kind of images I get because it's actually you go through a process. You know, so that's that's how I look at it because to me it's a tool and it's a magical tool for me because I could never visualize the films that I write like the way I do now. AI. I could think about the world in my head, maybe something that happened in 1903 and I wanted to see that and I went to visualize, I could just, you know, find ways to get it out without drawing it or going into blender so it's 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 amazing and it's only going to get better if you ask me yeah yeah it, it's it's cool that you bring out the fact of you know being able to storyboard um because i've been hearing it a lot lately as like as you said you know people that are emerging themselves in the ai field they're using it like you said as a tool to help something else so it's not like you're just saying like don't just stick to okay i told it to do this i wanted to spit out this image and we're done you know, yeah. use it as a way to, like you said, if you can visualize when you're working on a film, if you can visualize how the scene looks, you know, through this augmented reality that helps you better get your vision across, you know, to whoever, to your team, whoever you're trying to get this, um, you know, so they can see what's in your head. So just having to sit there and listen to you, you know, do a whole monologue or something. There's an actual visual yeah. aspect to being able to use these tools, which I think is is going to do miracles. Like we don't have to, you know, even if you're talking about creating a character, I can give it the curly hair. I can give it the different features we have. And I don't have to say, oh, well, why did you create that character? It doesn't look anything like the, you know, my brothers and sisters, my aunts that I've seen. I can physically show you, you know, what we see and what we see every day to kind of put more diversity in these projects. So I think that's going to be really cool to kind of to kind of see that. And um, like we mentioned too, or um, the Elder series. Um, this one I thought was cool because that's what I've been saying a lot too on a lot of people doing with AI is this fact of, especially in Hollywood, right? You have actors that get a certain age and we all know, look, see, black don't crack, I feel like as you get older. So I feel like mm -hmm. I'm looking at my, you know, my aunties, my grandmas or whatever like that. And they just still got it. Like you don't play with them. It's like the wisdom goes with age, right? But it's like some people are like, you get a certain age, it's like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I can't learn this anymore. It's a cutoff. But I'm seeing things like the AI. I'm seeing your elder series. And these older people got it going on. Like, they still have things to contribute to society. And I think that's one of the cool things about having this tech. Yes, 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 yes. And, and, and that's the cool thing about that as well. It's aspirational. It makes you see what you could normally not see before you know and that could make you spark different conversations you know and that did spark many conversations i got i got nominated for like an award for that from the uh, global coalition of aging worldwide mm -hmm. and i was like that's, that's amazing i'm like what me you know i got the attention from who and all of that because of the aspirational part of that and but that's what AI could do, you know. What what if I if I drew that? I don't think that would have gone as far as it did because the idea was it was realistic and or the idea was they were not real people. You know, yeah. so all of it just had walked hand in hand um for to get to where we were today. 
Yeah, and congratulations on that, by the way. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, if you guys need to be able to look that up, the Elder Series, Google it so you guys can check it out. The images are phenomenal. I just found myself just kept going back, scrolling, looking at different ones because um, it's just it's so impressive. And like you said, when you can take that from just a regular picture every day somebody will see and change it, flip it with the technology is is so cool. Um, last thing I want to touch on here is sales, cause, effects, loopholes, and solutions. This, uh, can you kind of explain a little bit about that? Because I love how you're giving back. You know, it's all about using the platforms that we're given to make some kind of change. You know, not like you're not already busy doing enough, but tell us about this as well. Uh, so, yes, um, like I said, I'm, I'm very intentional about everything I do. And I've seen a lot of documentaries. I see a lot of uh, social effect courses, but I don't really know about the impact. So I wanted to do something that had visual impact and also social impact and and that's why i set up sales so it, what we do is we highlight a final problem we highlight the problem uh do like a documentary and now within that space we find the 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 the, the cause of that problem we find the loopholes of that problem and we actively find a solution you know you know it, for instance we've dealt with like drug abuse, you know, and dealt with suicide, and dealt with things like um, um, child abuse, rape, and that, and we find like psychologists, you know, uh, that would either give like a help or we just find ways to help you know, rather than just highlighting the problem and just talking about that problem. So, and it's all self-funded, so it's not like it's, I don't do it as often as I should do it. So because. Uh, Mango up paying normal bills, you know. So, <laughs> but whenever I can, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, whenever I can, like I'm actually working in one right now. But I'm that's what I'm working on now is in virtual reality, in which where I'm showcasing a doctor that does free surgeries, free fibroid surgeries for women, and we understand how fibroids are mostly it's it's mostly affected by black women, and there's a lot of like. A myth and so many so many false things about it so i'm just trying to showcase the educational side of you and also the the the, the emotional side of it and that's virtual reality and that's on the cells as well so yeah um it's it's just also as an attachment of the company that i do so even if i'm doing things that are entertaining i want to do things that also um would kind of have impact in a certain way to people yeah, you got to do what you can. And I'm, I'm sure everybody that even if it's just like for a little bit and then you got to take a break and get back to work because yeah, it's serious. Bills don't go away. So you got to pay those. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so even if it's just like a little bit, I'm sure people will appreciate that. You just taking like a little bit of time to give back. Um, OK, so we're wrapping up here. Tell everybody what they can uh, how they can follow Slick City Media. Anything you want to tease like projects you got coming up? I know you've been giving us a little bit as we've been going along the, the interview. Um. Yeah. Um. I got, I got signed by Adobe to do, we're the first person to do AI for the stock website. I think that should be announced tomorrow or next tomorrow, I think. Um, um, the Elder Series is coming to life in 2024. We're actually working on that. Oh, nice. Like, like a real fashion show for the elders that would go around the world. Think of it like an X Factor uh, for fashion. Um, so that's in the works, and yeah, and a couple of films that we've been working and and hopefully towards the end of the year you hear a few things from us. Yeah. Oh well, listen, I hope you come back, share it with the with the Black Girl Nerds audience, keep us posted. 
I know I'm already following. You guys go out, follow him on Instagram, Slick City Media, so you can stay up to date because we know Malik doesn't sit down. So we know he's always working on something to advance and, and come up with some kind of new tech. So <laughs> Malik, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for having me. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.